All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Long Ball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. It's been a little while, but we're back once again. You're listening to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother Barney. How are you doing, Barney? I'm alright, man. I'm, I'm ill, so I sound a bit croaky, I'm afraid. Soldiering through. Soldiering through. And yeah, not a bad weekend for it as well, was it? Five red cards at the weekend? Just the five, although three came in one day, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so not a bad weekend of football. How are you? You good? Very good, mate. Very, very good. Can't complain. Delighted to be back. Um, I've been asked by any, by popular demand, the, the listeners have demanded it, um, and by listeners I mean just just Tom, uh, about a recap uh, on my five-a-side football exploits. Yes. So the listeners will remember that a few weeks ago we played our first game in the league um, that resulted in a 9-2 loss. Air Force One? Air Force One, yes. Um, since then, we've played four games. We've lost all four. Nice. Um, we concede an average of nine goals a game and score an average of three goals a game. That nice. said, it's all about getting minutes in the tank. <laughs> it's about getting minutes in the legs. <laughs> Last week, mate. Last week, right? We were playing, and it was it was fucking pouring with rain. It it just rained nonstop for an hour, um, and we played against the best team we've played against the whole time, better than all the other teams. And we're fucking running around chasing the ball, forty minutes, not getting a touch in, cannot complete a pass to save my life, just getting battered from one minute till the end. Uh, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Absolutely loved it. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is good, isn't it? I haven't played for ages. I've got in my park just at the bottom of the road. There's this um, goal, mm. but it's got it's got um, squares, electronic squares, and oh, so wow. you can press a button and then like it flash a square will flash up and you got to hit it like a bit like a oh amazing. Right? It's just there's always kids playing there, man. So I don't know what the best <laughs> time to go, to go down is. You need to get down there on one of the five a.m. baby walks. Yeah, yeah, just, just have yourself. Like, in the pram parks <laughs> watching me hit balls um, <laughs> Albert I didn't know where to put this in because it's not something we usually do we don't usually do um like uh, Portuguese players abroad but um, I did just want to mention Beto because mm. um, he was like one of our favourite players last year mm. and he's got, and I just I'm so happy that he's doing well at Udinese like in, in a, a major European league you know and he's one of these rare players isn't he that um, who have made a move to another European league, having not gone through one of the big three first. You know, he's made that mm. jump from Portsmouth ends. And I think it's, you know, three goals and three. I think he got a last minute equaliser against Atalanta at the weekend. Like, and I just, I don't know. I, I was really chuffed because I feel like it quantifies the, the, the quality of this league. You know, seeing a player being able to make that jump and seeing his success, you know, it just made me really happy. I think we're just happy for him as well. I think we definitely fell for him as like a character. We were big supporters of him. And you're, you're totally right. I, I had no idea how he would do, to be honest, you know. Mm. Um, I thought he could step up to a team in this league, but going to Italy was a bit unknown. Um, I didn't know how he would get on. But yeah, I think he had a slightly slow start. But like you say, recently he's had a few goals. And oh man, Beto, what a guy. We'll always have the memories, eh? Yeah, exactly. And he looks good in his um, Udinese shirt as well, the black and white. He loves the black and white stripes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loves the black and white stripes. Well, look, uh, as I alluded to earlier, it's been a, it's been a couple of weeks since we last we last did this show. So it's going to be a jam-packed show this week. We're going to be talking about a lot of Premier League games. But first, a little bit of news as two clubs in the Premier League have new presidents. Rui Fontes won the presidential election. He's become the new Maritimo president. He replaces Carlos Pereira. A man who had been president for 24 years, Rui Fontes himself, was previously 
the uh, Maritima president between 1988 and 1997 for nine years. And of course, Benfica Barney have a new president after Rui Costa was formalised as the new president with a landslide election victory after he was in interim charge following the arrest of Louis-Philippe Vieira. Talk to me about Benfica Barney. You've got a bit of news on this Benfica presidency. Well, I just I think it's a very interesting, a very interesting situation. I mean, first of all, I need to confess that I'm not an expert on how these presidential elections run and like, you know, the ins and outs of it all. But I did like the fact that um, I think Benfica TV did a, a presidential debate like a, like every election <laughs> before mm. the vote. On this. I thought that was brilliant. Um, but yeah, the thing that struck me with this one is that this is Benfica's highest ever turnout for a vote. And I think it's the second highest in the history of world football. I think Barcelona have the highest. Plus, you add to that the fact that Rui Costa won with 84.48% of the vote. This is huge. This is a real mm. a real statement. And I think it's interesting because, you know, the fan base wanted their voices to be heard. They, they really felt that like they needed something to, I don't know, perhaps change. Mm. And I think Rui Costa's since he's been in as interim um, president as well, he's, he's sort of been delivering what he's promised. He's making the club a bit more transparent. But I also think it's interesting, you know, his his ties with Luis Felipe Vieira, like, you know, this people have brought him back to the club when he was at AC Milan. Um, he's obviously brought him into the boardroom as well. And so th- th- there's a connection there. And so, you know, once again, I don't know enough about it, but I think it's an incredibly interesting situation. I think Rui Costa's got all the signs of being able to, you know, bring the change that these Benfica fans want. I just hope that, yeah, his um, his relationship with Luis Vieira doesn't sort of come back and, you know. Yeah, it's a really interesting dynamic, isn't it? Because I think there is that suggestion that Rui Costa is uh, Luis Felipe Vieira's man. And so maybe it'll be a continuation of the same things, but you can't get away from the fact that Costa is a Benfica legend. Like you cannot use that word legend, you know, lightly, but he defines the word legend when it comes to Benfica. I'm sure all the fans have a, a, a huge place in their heart for him. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. I think I find the kind of concept of uh, these presidential elections quite interesting in general, Barney, because it's not something that we have in the UK. In fact, I think it's something that, all of our uh, listeners who who are supporters of Portuguese club will be more familiar with than we are because you know we just don't have this system in the UK and I like it because if, if there is anyone like like us listening who's not quite sure how it works for me it just seems like a way for the socios the members of the club to vote for essentially who is the director of football right but you get to vote for them I mean in England the, even the concept of a director of football is very new. Um, so the idea that you would have someone who was kind of responsible for hiring managers, hiring staff, making important changes at the club that you could vote for as a member, as a socio, I think that's actually a very uh, appealing system, something that I think would be very popular, very interesting if it was introduced in the UK. But uh, that's something we don't have uh, here, but we we wait to see how uh, how Rui Costa's presidency goes. For me, perhaps what? The more interesting election result was this Marisma one, as as we as you mentioned, the previous president Carlos Pereira having been there for twenty four years. I I couldn't work out because, like I said, it's very complicated. But um, it looks like he's had no one challenging him in, in that within that twenty four years as well it, until now. And we have Rui Fontes. You know, I think he was president of Marisma previously, their most um, successful period um, under his leadership. They they reached the European competitions for the first time in its, their history in the 93-94 season. You know, so this is um, received very well. A lot of Marisma fans are absolutely ecstatic by this. He made this announcement as well, which I, I'm interested in. He's, he's got this, um, he says, it's going to be an ambitious project, which aims to place Marisma among the top six, seven national clubs. And that's going to be over the next three or four years because 
after announcing that, he also announced that he's not going to, he's only going to preside over them for one term as well. So he wants to get into sixth, seventh in the league in three or four years. Albert, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough ask. Mm, ambitious, but I like it. I feel like you know there is something to be done with Maritimo though. You know, it's such a mm. cliche that we have in England about sleeping giants. People talk about Newcastle, like a club ready to to be taken over to to to, to reach bigger things. I feel like if there's a club like that in Portugal, Maritimo are not a bad shout for it. You know, on the one hand, you could say that being uh, on the islands in Madeira is, is isolating, but also I think it kind of creates that fortress mentality. They've got a strong mm-hmm. fan base behind them. They've got like yeah. a unique USP as a club, which a lot of uh, Portuguese clubs don't have. So I think it's a very interesting prospect. I mean, it's also difficult to say how much of all this stuff these presidential candidates come out with is just kind of words to, to please the fans. But yeah, um, I think it is it is going to be intriguing to see how Maritimo do, especially as they've been quite a homogenous club for the last few years. They've been that club battling relegation, the kind of anti-Jogo club, you know. Um, they've kind of got a bit of a negative, uh, a negative aura around them at the moment. So maybe a new president, Maybe we can shake things up a bit, create a kind of new mentality at the club. Who knows? We'll see. The other thing I liked about this, I would just quickly before we move on, is um, he, there's a great, great picture on Twitter of him after he won the election in this like of this shirt with green and red stripes, like Marito's kit. Um, and he said it's the same shirt he wore back in 1997 when he um, he, he wore it for the first time when he was um, president previously. So I just thought that was a nice little touch. He had that had that in the wardrobe waiting. For that. Kudos too if it still fits as well after all that time. Fair play to him. Man knows how to look after himself. Well, look, let's talk about football, Barney. Let's talk about Benfica. That's the game that I want to start with. And that was one of my favourite games from the weekend. Uh, Vizela nil, Benfica won with a 98th minute plus eight winner from Rafa. Very narrow win for Benfica and they very nearly dropped those points away at Vizela. And I have to say, for me, I was so impressed with Vizela in this game. I've not watched every game of theirs this season, obviously, but from what I have watched of them, this was by far the game that impressed me the most. I think they might not have had a lot of the ball, but when they did have it, they worked so hard to create a goal-scoring chance at every opportunity. They pressed really well, they counted quickly, they defended well, and they had their chances to score. Had it not been for a lack of quality, really, in terms of finishing uh, and the final ball, I think you could say the game could have been a very different story. Yeah, I think um, you know they got off to quite a good start when um, was it Chitinia closing down um, Vakadimos really well, um, putting a lot of pressure on. I mean that yeah that that really could have changed the game. I think you mentioned that they had very little of the ball. I think that's what's been one of Vizela's strengths actually is that they're they're quite happy to to be out of position because they've got the I feel they've got the quality to you know counter attack or build up play quickly and, and hit teams in the break. So um, I think. Perhaps what we, I mentioned it last episode, didn't I, about the fact that Benfica lost, perhaps coming at the wrong time. Then back in Europe, having uh, losing to heavy to um, Bayern Munich, you know, I feel that like just got vibes of a little bit of staleness, staleness about Benfica, you know, in, mm. in these in these last few games. And if you look at um, Porto, for example, where there's been, I'd say, big enough tweaks here and there, consistently throughout the season, you're mixing, Cotteshall's mixing things up, and we haven't really seen that now. But now Jorge Jesus has settled with this formation pretty much settled with his 11 we haven't seen that and I felt that they just lacked that creativity and you know teams are getting wise to it I think we're seeing similarities with sporting as well playing this um, you know similar formation 3-4-3 whatever you want to call it teams are getting wise to it and I think Vizella are very smart in this game um, and, and did what they do well interesting that you say that Barney I, w- I was going to ask you what you thought about Vafika because I kind of took a different 
perspective from the game when I watched Benfica, I, I didn't think it was a bad performance at all. In fact, I thought in some ways there were a lot of positives you could take. The first half wasn't good enough. They were far too slow to get off the mark. In fact, it took them 30 minutes to even have their first shot of the game, which was quite telling. But in the second half, I thought they did improve. They had more shots, they had more chances. And by the end of the game, I did think the goal was coming. I thought they'd done enough hard work to earn the goal and to kind of wear down Vizela. But, you know, like you say, on the one hand, perhaps you could you could say this is a game they should be dominating, they should be winning easy. But on the other hand, I you know, I believe that on the balance of the of the game, if you watch the whole game, you know, on the balance of it, as you see it, I think Vizela did very well. And the result that Benfica got out of it was quite hard earned. And and I'm inclined to say that Benfica did quite well in the game. And 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 I have prayed Vizela. Praise Vizella there already. And I think, you know, they they kind of are the reason it was as close as it was rather than Benfica being weak. I mean, we've got to give a hell of a lot of credit to Charles and goal for Vizella. I mean, I like some fantastic saves. I mean, it does feel like Benfica coming up a keeper putting in their best performance of the year at, you know, <laughs> for the last couple of weeks. I mean, there was that um, Bonsalva's shot, which, which he hit so well. And yeah. then, it, like, literally, the, his fingernail tipped it over. It was like, a hell of a yeah. save. And, um, yeah, I've, yeah, he, he, he was absolutely immense with Vizella. I think there's a number of players you could pick out. Obviously, Charles the goalie. I thought that even Ildo Fernandez, a centre-back, was excellent as well. Another one that impressed me. Uh, the main one, though, Barney, that I really enjoyed watching was Nuno Moreira, the left winger, former sporting youngster, someone that I've really not paid enough attention to at all this season. This is the first game I've really noticed him. Very impressive on the left wing. What I liked about him was it was a very interesting mix of creating good chances, but also getting stuck in as well, winning the ball quite a lot. Uh, it's quite a combative display, which from a young winger, I think is quite quite a mature thing to do. Um, and yeah, someone I haven't watched at all this season, but really caught my eye and, and definitely one that, that I'll be keeping an eye on for Zella. I thought um, Alex Mendes, the American on loan from Ajax youth team, one of the other wing as well was good. But um, what I liked about Morera was that I felt like Jorge Jesus felt he had to do something, and, and, and he brought on um, Radonjic, didn't he? Um, mm. To play mm. right wing back was a, which was a bit of a surprise. And I think that was a sort of try and push uh, Morera back because, like you said, he was he was a real threat. But um, when Radonjic came on, he was really good with the ball. Uh, his it was his skill that sort of made the goal right at the end. And those sort of changes, perhaps Everton seeing Everton a bit earlier, that I feel like they, that could have come sooner that, that I think that that's what I was trying to get at like it just seemed to be let's let these players just try and work it out themselves and I feel like Jorge just needs to put a foot in and do something earlier well maybe that was a bit of complacency and maybe that was because you know uh, it, it's not even arrogance but Benfica probably would have gone to the game expecting to to dominate and, and they didn't and uh, you know I'm going around in circles here but just to reiterate I do credit Vizela with the fact that they didn't allow Benfica to dominate too much and they were the reason uh, that it was a much more difficult game uh, that it needs to be for Benfica. Barney, we have to talk about one player. It's Adele Tarapt, who came on as a substitute to make his 100th Benfica appearance. Uh, it's a shame, really, because it does seem like, at this point in time, the kind of Tarapt story is coming to an end at Benfica. You know, he had a couple of really golden years, and I think it really is worth reiterating what an incredible story his is. You know, reinventing himself after years in the kind of the wilderness, essentially, he was the forgotten man at Benfica uh, and he became a key part of that team. And, you know, especially at, at a senior age as well, when most people would be ready to say he was over the hill, reinvented himself, came back 
uh, and was a key player for Benfica, someone um, we'll always be fond of because of uh, his association with Spurs and QPR in the English league in the past. But these days, fair enough, he's more of a bit part player. I think um, it, it, he's not going to have the impact that he used to have. But I just want to just wanted to shout him out. 100, per- 100 appearances for Benfica. Um, 66 as a starter, one goal and eight assists. Not a bad going. No, not at all. I absolutely love the guy. I think what sort of solidifies his um, his development as a player, I think, is the fact that, and I, I include myself in this, I feel I see some fans on Twitter calling for him to be a player in that midfield because they know that he he has that spark, he, he has that turn of, and and he might be able to do something. And, you know, when, you, when you're suggesting him coming in for potentially Weigl, who's he's a class young player, you know, that just shows the quality of player he, I, I think he is. I think... Um, yeah, it was, it was the phrase the streets will never forget. <laughs> I think that phrase was probably invented for it, though. In all seriousness, as well, we mentioned the, the change in style and the change of his um, that he's made at whilst at Benfica. That's a that's a lot to ask for of a player, uh, particularly in modern times. I feel like you don't. See, it's very rare you see a player change position like and style like he has, and, he, and he, I think he's done it very well. All credit to him. Well, look, before we move on, Barney, the last thing I want to say on this game is just about the incredible atmosphere in the stadium. Uh, from the Vizela fans, who I think were really a credit to themselves. I think they were a credit to their town and, you know, a credit a credit to Portuguese football, honestly. You know, we read out some pretty um, depressing stats on the last episode about kind of falling attendances and stuff like that. So I feel like it's really important that we big up a club like Vizela, who had such a fantastic fan base. The stadium was full. The fans were singing from, from the first minute to the last. And it was a really beautiful moment at the end, you know, uh, watching the fans and the players applauding each other, yeah. even though they hadn't got the result, knowing the effort that the players had put in and, and being proud of that performance. I just thought that was really, really enjoyable to see. And it's credit to the players because, you know what, they they went out, they were still going out for the win. And I think that, you know, they could have been a bit streetwise and kept the ball in a corner, but I feel like they were, they, you know, they, they they thought they could get something. So yeah, real credit to them. I thought, you know, Vizela can play football. I've, I've enjoyed watching them this season. They're, they're a good team. Definitely a good team. Let's move on then, Barney. Let's talk about Porto. Uh, and they won 3-1 away at Tondela. Mediterranean very much the start of the show here. His hat-trick secured three points. And away at Tondela, Barney, we know that that's never an easy game. So, you know, to win the goal by that margin is pretty impressive. He took his goals like a top poacher in his prime. I thought two tap-ins, a little toe poke, but he won't care at all how the ball goes back in the net. Whether it's 30-yard screamer, a three-yard tap-in, he doesn't care. His teammates don't care. And I don't think the fans care either. I think for his third one, when they slowed that down in the replays... And you saw his movement, his instinct to sort of get himself back on side, then quick dash forward, and then and it was an awkward finish, you know. To, he stuck his left foot out in an awkward position. It was I've, I've I really rate it. I did think he made a bit of a meal with the red card incident, now. and it's it's one of those ones where because the ball was sort of loose and Toby sort of manages to get a toe ahead of the last man, and he he, he is through. But this is where I, I've got a sticking point out. It's because I, f- I feel like he wasn't in control of the ball, and I thought the keeper was going to get there quite quickly. And this is where I feel like it shouldn't have been a red card. I just feel like it's too harsh because he was never going to be in control of that ball, and because he just threw his body forward, and, and that was that's what made him get the the touch before the defenders. So I don't know. Well, it was one one at that point as well. So you could argue that maybe the game would have been quite different if the, if. Tondela had stayed with uh, 11 players on the pitch at that point but look um, I think the refs just made a call because it was the last man I think yeah. we had a bit of a debate last show didn't we Bonnie about Taremi's uh, antics shall we say when it comes to making the most uh, out of fouls um, just to stick with Taremi for a second Barney was his hat- first hat-trick for Porto I think he's put to bed 
any talk of Martinez overtaking him as the star man up front this season. I think there were a few whispers that early in the season. The only question I really have for you is whether this guy is the best striker in the league right now. Because for me, I can't think of anyone I'd really put on the same level as him. Definitely not Darwin Nunes, not Yeremchuk yet, at least from what we've seen, and certainly not Paulinho. Well, I think Yeremchuk's now not scored in like 394 minutes, I believe. So, you know, Taremi's miles ahead of him in that sense. He's guy's so consistent. He's so consistent and he's... um. He's absolutely killing it. He's absolutely, for me, the best striker in the league. We've mentioned before about the fact that, you know, the Pats, because of his age, he might not get a big move to a big European club. And so he's not sort of seen as a, a huge asset, perhaps. But yeah, the, guy, the guy's ridiculous. He absolutely is ridiculous. I, I really like him. Uh, another good performance I thought as well, Barney Porter, was, of course, Fabio Vieira. Now, he got an assist for uh, Tramey's last goal. And I believe that now puts him on something like an assist every 59 minutes that he plays for Porto really fantastic stats um, so fantastic all-round performance from Porto uh, and, and again away at a very difficult place in Tondela they got obviously they'll be disappointed after going 1-0 ahead but with the red card and playing against such a strong team there's not really much you can complain about for Tondela in this one I'm, I'm a bit torn on Tondela because um, I feel like they're trying something by giving young players a go if you look at that back four it was um, Almeida the right back was 20 Kresman 19 Sangnen 22 and then Neto Borges a bit older at 25 and um, who by the you know he got the goal and I think he looks like a, a really good um, good left back in this league actually he's unknown from Genk but, um, and, and then the two centre backs are also on loan with Sangnen coming from um, Real Sociedad in Spain they, they all have I feel they have great attributes you know really promising signs but is it is it too much of them too early? If you know, I mean, they've got um, Ricardo Alves, thirty-year-old on the bench. You know, captained them a fair few times last season, but obviously a bit of experience because they are conceding a lot. And I think it does seem a little bit too risky to be playing, you know, two lone young centre backs in in the middle of, of a back four when you've got someone with a bit more experience on the bench. Yeah, I mean, the in, your instinct is always to like pair them up, right? You want to play a a young player with an experienced player. Um, I don't know what the manager's thinking thinking is with that. Maybe he just wants to show his faith in the youth players, you know, to give them that responsibility and ask them to rise to the challenge. I think we've seen uh, the young boy Karejma do pretty well um, since he's been there, showing real glimpses of, of the talent that he has. Yeah, Sanyan's the one, I mean, I don't really know too much about him. If I was going to drop one, I'd probably be tempted to drop him and give Karejma the chance. But on the whole, that Tondela side, I quite like. I think it's quite balanced. I think we've seen teams last season like Passos do quite well with lots of loan signings. So that doesn't worry me too much. And I do like the manager, Ayesta, and I think he's an experienced manager. Um, and, you know, last year, Tondela was such a tough place to go. They were winning. Their home record was so good. Uh, if they can keep that going this season, hopefully they'll be uh, okay. But as I alluded to earlier, I think when you come up against a Porto team with a striker like Taremi in the form that he's in, not really too much you can complain about. Well, let's do the last of the big three, Barney. Let's quickly touch on Sporting versus Mororens. A fairly standard 1-0 win for Sporting. And it was their in-form striker, Sebastian Coates, with the goal. Uh, three goals in two games for the Uruguayan forward. Um I just did the same joke twice. Uh, I don't mind it though. That's, <laughs> um, it's a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, that was enough to get them all three points and really to get the job done. And that's how I really felt about this game. It was pretty standard, just job done. I, I don't know what Paul Idiot has got to do to get a goal. He had so I've really <laughs> well, he scored to... a screamer in the Champions League. You know, Absolutely. I thought he got, I thought I got think... quite unlucky in this game, but yeah. Yeah, that's it, man. It is luck. And I think like, 
you know, like you said, he's shown some real quality in the Champions League. And, you know, this sort of moves on to the statistic I was going to bring is because of the 14 goals that Sporting have scored this season, and by the way, Porto have scored 21 and Benfica 20, so there's a bit of a different stare. Of the 14 goals Sporting have scored, only six are from open play. It's something I've t- talked about before, about this sort of, whether it's Paulinho lacking in front of goal, whether it's the charges that are being created, I think something needs to change soon, I feel, because although this was a pretty comfortable 1-0 win, I feel like there'll be other games that might be a bit more difficult if, if, if they're performing like this in front of goal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're struggling for goals and you're going to struggle to win games, it's as simple as that. Um, there wasn't an awful lot to shout about in this sporting performance for me, Barney. As I said, it was a pretty fairly run-of-the-mill result, but Daniel Gorganson was really someone who I thought uh, is worth talking about every time he plays. You know, He's a magical footballer. He just lights up the pitch when he plays and you just cannot take your eyes off him. I think, I know in that midfield, uh, it might be difficult for him to get quite as many minutes as we all want him to because if they're only playing the two, there might be times when Amarim kind of wants a bit more solidity in there. But I think it's becoming clear that he's got more than enough talent to hold his own in that midfield if Amarim wants to play him every week. I mentioned earlier about my feelings about Benfica being a bit stale and and I feel like Sporting are a bit the same if I'm honest now, but I feel like it's the same system and you know though the players are changing a bit more frequently than Benfica say I think that's where I could see a change I mean you mentioned Brancanza I think there can be a midfield free of Paulinho, Brancanza and Nunes and then just have Paulinho with one other whether that's Pedro Gonçalves um, whether that's Thiago Thomas who we saw like a fair bit last season I think that could be a change and just a bit of something new to this team because I feel like you know there's, there's a little bit of a stuttering going on at the moment with Sporting they're not as even though they're performing quite strongly in terms of points on the board I still feel like they're not as strong as last season 100% no I agree with that and I think you know when you've got a player like Berganza who's capable of that little bit of magic why not play him especially yeah. when you need you know to unlock the door let's talk about Morrens though Barney I, again I haven't got a lot to say about them I think they could have had a goal themselves. One of one of our favourites, Raphael Martins, I thought missed a bit of a oh, sitter yeah. in the first half. I was willing him to put that away, but I was impressed with um, the other Consasau, Rodrigo Consasau, brother of Chico, son of Sergio, playing right wing back this game. I thought it was a good threat. Um, yeah. It was a good attacking threat down that right-hand side, and it was certainly a better display than the other week when he got himself sent off five <laughs> minutes after coming on as a sub. But That's no, very, very promising from him, I thought. I feel like we um we sort of wrote Morens off at the start of the season. Then there was that news story coming out about um the B said president saying that uh, they're already relegated or you know something mm. like that. And but I, but then I feel like they've actually been surprisingly more solid than I thought they were going to be. I feel like there's they're, they're still a fairly cohesive team. Um, you know, good good attacking threats. I feel which I, I haven't really given them credit for in the past. So uh, yeah, I thought this it's, it's not all doom and gloom for them. Well, let's look at the results from outside of the top three. And let's start with one of our favourites, Barney Pretoria, who ran out 2-1 victors over Maritimo. A very valuable result for them and a game which saw them battle until the end to get a 91st minute winner after almost seeing their win snatched from them by an 88th minute equaliser of Claudio Wink for Maritimo. How important is that result going to be for Pretoria, Barney? Because we spoke a lot about them as a team looking to kind of break out of a slump uh, we joked about them being cursed at times when it seemed like everything was going against them. So so to work tirelessly during a tough game to go ahead after 76 minutes and then not drop their heads once the late week, like, 
late equaliser goes in and turn it around to get that last minute winner. That must be so important for that team's confidence. Well, uh, I, I, I thought it was one man really who didn't keep his head down. It was Marcus Edwards. I thought um, mm. he, he absolutely created that that winner. Um, he was tireless all game, I thought. Most touches by a Victoria player, which I think is is incredibly press, impressive as he's a, a winger. More often than not, the player with the most touches on the pitch would be a centre-back or a defensive midfielder. So that just shows the influence he, he had in this game, I thought. I think if you look at the highlights of this game in the second half, all of Victoria's decent chances were with Marcus Edwards on the right-hand side cutting in. And the reason I think that's interesting is that he's got to start there now. And I think Pepper needs to make a, a big decision that I alluded to last week. And, you know, Rashinia obviously came on and got the goal and an assist in this game. So, so far this season, including Cup games, he's got two goals and three assists in three and 593 minutes. Well, Christmas got one goal in 631 minutes. And mm-hmm. that's that's the decision for me. I think Rashinia is very comfortable on the left. Marcus Edwards is very extremely comfortable on the right. And I think that that needs to be the change. We said the same thing a couple of weeks back, didn't we? We said the same things. And, I, and I'll say again this week, I think um, that it, what is crucial for Victoria's success is them playing both Rashinia and Edwards at the same time. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind that those two are the most talented football players at that club. The only issue, obviously, as you said, is whether Pepper would even find a way to fit them both in alongside Karajma or whether he'd make the call to drop him. The reason I like them both, Barney, is because they've just got that little bit of pace that Karajma hasn't got and I think that's really working for this team at the moment. I think I like the possibility of that link up between those two and Estupinan up front. I think that's mm-hmm. quite a promising prospect. I don't think, to be fair, that Estupinan is a phenomenal striker. I think he has his limitations. But I think what we've seen is, you know, from the way he took that, his headed goal this game, if you play a system which gets Estupinan in the right areas, ready for those type of headed goals, those poaching finishes with supply from the wings, I think, you know, Estupinan is a player that will probably comfortably get you 10 goals a season. You know, not incredible numbers, but very useful to have for any team in the league. And I think what we're starting to see now is what we haven't had with Victoria for quite a while now, even going back to the Joao Henriquez days, and that's a settled attacking lineup that you can trust to start every week that you know uh, is going to guarantee you a few goals every season. And then you look behind them, and, and this midfield three was Samedo putting in a, a really decent performance, by the way. Thiago Silva, um, who's actually one of my been one of my players of the season so far. I think he's been fantastic. And then Andre Andre. That that's a strong, you know, that's a strong midfield. Mm. And and if you if you just stick with that attacking three we've just mentioned. They're decent. I think the questions around the defence are always going to be there. But um, I think it's good that they uh, Bruno Verreira is back in goal. I think that will help them hopefully. But um, um, but yeah, I, you know, I feel like that that that's a pr- that's a really promising sign of of this um, of Peppers Victoria. And I think you know we're just starting to see it. And I hope it I hope it develops into something now. You mentioned the defence, Barney. Um, I did look into. I did have a quick look at this because Victoria have only lost once now in eight games in the league. And that was a 3-1 loss against Benfica. In that time, they've kept four clean sheets from those games. So what I will say is, as, as much as we have been critical of defence, and I definitely think it is the weakest part of the team, mm. that's not an awful record by any means. So I think if they can keep that kind of uh, defensive solidity going, that level of defensive solidity, which is not too bad at all, then, you know, as you say, there's plenty of positives uh, to build on. And I think they'll be more than okay this season. I was chuffed Claudio Wink got the goal. He's been a player I've always been a fan of whenever I've seen him play. I think he's a good wing-back in this league. And I think um, another Marita player, I mentioned him before, Leon Jardé again at the back. He's just he's looking like an absolute beast every time I see him. That's so composed for such a young player. So I think, uh, 
you know, that's what Marito seems to be starting to identity is being able to frustrate team, you know, get get them to be the ones thinking about oh what we're gonna change, what we're gonna do. And so that that, that could be good for them. But um yeah, Vittoria deserved the win. And you know, you mentioned it at the beginning, it could have been a completely different situation when Pepper finds himself in, but th- th- this is just this ho- hopefully the start. It's been a little while since Marito had a win, Barney. You ought to go all the way back to the 16th of August when they beat BSAD 2-1 for the last time and Marito had a win in the league. It's difficult because they seem to be able to grind out draws, mm. um, but they need to start getting points on the table. I think, you know, to be honest with the audience, that everyone who listens know we've got a bit of a soft spot for Marie Tomo, and I think we tip them to have a decent season this year if they could build on what they did uh, last season. Who knows? Maybe they just need that jeopardy of a relegation battle to, to get themselves up for a game. Who knows? But um, yeah, they need to start getting a few more points on the board if they're going to progress this season. I want to talk about the Porto Menens game, Barney. Porto Menens nil, Estoril 2. And this was a game that I was super excited to watch. Two of the most impressive teams outside of the top three facing off. It was fourth versus fifth at the time of the kickoff. Uh, and the game really didn't, didn't disappoint for me. Fascinating game to watch. Uh, a game in which Porto Menens had four times as many shots as Estoril, but still managed to lose the game 2-0. It really is worth looking at a couple of the stats here because I think they do tell the story of this game. Porto Menens had 24 shots compared to Estoril 6, but that only translated crucially into three shots on target compared to Estoril's two, from which they scored both their goals. Uh, Porto Menens also interestingly had 35 actions in the opposition area compared to Estoril's eight. So I think it kind of paints a very clear picture of this game. Porto Menens banging on the door for 90 minutes, but really failing to make anything count. And Estoril being extremely clever, uh, extremely efficient in front of goal uh, and punishing Porto Menens twice to take home all three points. Yeah, I think Porto Menens seem to be a little unlucky with um, their strikes at the moment. I thought Fabricio, who had a good game against Benfica uh, before the international breaks out injured, um, so they missed him and then Aponza didn't seem to play, didn't seem to be playing for some reason. Yeah, and of course we spoke about Beto earlier, Barney. We know how difficult it's going to be to to replace him and they've had a little bit of success, as you say, with Aponza, but that's a young kid that you can't really rely on every week. In contrast, I mean, Estoril seemed to be flying in front of goal. As I said, two, uh, two shots on target, two goals. Both goals were extremely quick build-up, two or three quick passes forward, you know, and before you know it, the ball's in the back of the net. Um, the first goal in particular, Bonnie, I thought was a great example of that. Estoril, you know, they're controlling the ball in the left-back spot and it's just one pass into midfield, a little layoff and a killer first-time through ball from Lorenz, which sets up Andre Franco, who himself doesn't even need to take a touch before finishing three passes of the ball and about five seconds to get the ball from left back all the way to the back of the net. It was a really fantastic goal. And I do urge anyone uh, to go back and watch the highlights to see that goal if he didn't catch the game. I think uh, the there's a Tactical Melon episode out about, and they focus on Estoril prior. And I think um, I recommend everybody listens to that. They go into really good detail, um, particularly about the way that um, Bruno Pinheiro sets up, sets up his team to um, encourage a bit of frontline pressure from the opposing team, and then they're able to find more spaces in, in between the, in between the lines. Um, yeah, really fascinating. And, and you, I feel like you saw this. I think Portmanens we saw a very solid defensive display from them, and their win against Benfica. But then this time, this game, I felt like, you know, they're back to their attacking ways and what they wanted to do. And, you know, in a way, it works, at, works really well for us to probably, you probably had a team who were like looking to, rather than just play backs against the ball football, like really go for it. And, and um, you know, they, they took their chances well, like you mentioned. Um, Andre Franco is looking like 
Uh, it could be in line for the Ryan Gould Award, uh, <laughs> as, as things stand. Um, he's looking like a hell of a player. I just really like this team. I think they're 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 very smart. They're very well organised. And um, you know, in in the tactical melon, they they talk about how you know this is this is right through the club, right through the youth teams having great success. There, there's a real project going on here, and um, yeah, it's 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 so exciting to see. Yeah, we know how well uh, Estoril Pride have been doing in the youth leagues, which has always been uh, incredibly impressive to see. You probably always paid attention to them, and a really fantastic result. And they now sit comfortably in fourth place in the table, so they're having. A really fantastic season, as as we all know. Let's do our last game, Barney. Let's talk about Family Cal versus Santa Clara. Uh, a game that ended 2-0 to Family Cal. A good result for them, but not such a good one for new Santa Clara manager, Nuno Campos, uh, the former assistant of Paolo Fonseca at Shakhtar Donetsk, who came in to replace Daniel Ramos. 2-0 uh, to Family Cal with two goals from Simon Banza. Two well-taken goals as well, I thought. One a nice close-range header, and the other, a very, very calm penalty, which was duly dispatched. This guy's very much gone under the radar for me, Barney Banza, but it's five goals in five games for him now. Three goals in his last two games. I'm not sure if you've made much for him this season, but if he keeps up this goal-scoring rate, uh, it'll be a vital, vital player for them. And especially as they struggle to find that kind of consistent goal-scorer up front, pretty much since Tony Martinez left for Porto. Yeah, absolutely. They, they've been screaming out for a player like him. It's like you said, he's just a player who's able to get the ball in the back of the net when it matters. I think it's a shame he got his red card for taking his time and coming off the pitch. I think that, you know, that could be a bit costly for them because, you know, the games where he hasn't started, you know, they, they, they've certainly struggled and I think they've got the right player to, to fill that striking position. I feel like Ivor Vieira potentially is starting to get it right at, at the back. You know, Penetra, the, the youth player, been promoted to the to the men's team. You know, he was given the armband for this game. He was captain of the team. You mm. know, and, they, and he was playing alongside Alex, the young Brazilian who came in the summer as well. And I think that, that, that looked really good because... You know, Santa Clara were limited to zero shots on target this game, you know, and you know, you've got um Pickle and, and Pepe in front of them, and that looks very solid. So I think that combination of players, which I don't think we've seen yet, seems to be um a bit more solid for me, which I feel like they've they've been really struggling to find that that answer. Yeah, it's been a tough start to the season for Family Cat, but maybe we'll see them turn a corner soon. I think I definitely believe in the manager, and I think I believe in the kind of scouting network that, that team has, the players they brought in. So um I do I do back them to find that 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 formula, that correct formula to see them through the rest of the season. Santa Clara never had Barney. Really, really tough times. Um, you have to go back to the 29th of August to find their last win in the league. That was 1-0 against Gio Vicente. So another team really struggling and, and a team that we expected to be doing a lot better this season. Not the start that new manager Nuno Campos would have wanted, but of course only his first game in charge. So you can't really judge him at all on this game. But the guy's going to have to kind of find some changes from somewhere if he's going to turn this season around. The one thing you will say for him is that there's plenty of talent in that squad ready for him to utilise. The likes of Marita, the likes of Lincoln, the likes of Krizan, uh, all those players that did so well for them last year, I think there's more than enough talent to get them going this year. Well, I think it's at the back where he really needs to sort things out. And, you know, perhaps Fabio Cardoso is actually a bigger loss than we thought Carlos Junior was going to be. But you mentioned the... Attacking talent they've got, Albert, you know, in, in Lano, Lincoln, and whether it's Luis Felipe or, or Kreisen up top, I feel like, particularly Lincoln and Lano, who aren't be, who aren't playing as out-and-out strikers, you don't really want to be asking them to come all the way back and defend as much. You know, they, these are very much players I feel like, like like to be up the pitch early, just being able to, like, you know, do the stuff they do best then. But then, you know, that's, that's two players plus the striker. 
not really doing a defensive duty so that, that, that you, you might need to tweak things there. Um, I know if Marita, you might say you've got two players um, on the pitch for in defensive midfield there with, with how good he is. But I think that's going to be, I think it's a difficult balancing out, but I think um, he's got a, he's got a tough job on his hands. Tough job on his hands, especially for somebody who's never had a senior manager's position before, but that hasn't stopped managers emerging in this league in the past. So we await with great interest as to how Nuno Campos does in this coming season. Well, look, that pretty much brings us to the end of this week's show. And it's about this time that we will usually offer you some games of the week. Uh, but it's going to be pretty tough to choose because, fortunately, I will be in Porto at the weekend. Uh, watching quite a few games uh, in person, hopefully. So I'm going to be catching the Porto derby on Saturday, Porto versus Boa Vista. Highly recommend that game to anybody. And there's a really tasty game uh, on Monday, I believe, Barney Braga versus Porto Menendez that I'll also uh, be heading to. So I recommend people people to watch those. And hopefully we'll come up with a little kind of special show next week with a little bit of match reporting and stuff like that, live from the stadiums. Well, you'll be there having the time of your life and I'll be at home <laughs> incredibly jealous, <laughs> probably still with this cold. But the, oh, man. No, no, no it's, I was so excited for you, man. So is it just the two games you're seeing? Well, hopefully, fingers crossed, I'm going to be seeing four games in three days, which is quite ambitious. Um, so it will be Saturday evening, the Porto Derby. Um, Sunday will be Family Cal versus Vizela at the Family Cal Stadium. And also, potentially, Rio Ave versus Academic of Vizela in the oh, second oh. division in Villa de Conde. And then Monday evening will be Braga versus Porto Menendez. I think, Barney, that's the one I'm looking forward to most. One, because I'm buzzing to go to that stadium. I love that stadium. And it's two teams that I love. Yeah. Know, people know that I love Braga, that I love Porto Menendez. But yeah, I'm super excited, man, to see some of these players in the flesh, the likes of Luis Diaz, to watch him play in the flesh. Yeah. Uh, but then even some of the, the lesser-known players, you know, like I, I can't wait to watch Penetra play. The, you know, the certain back that you just mentioned and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, I, I, I'm buzzing, man. I, I can't wait. Well, there you go. It could be an interesting episode. We'll see see how we do it at the weekend. Well, look, that brings us to the end of the show. We would just like to say thank you very much for listening. And once again, uh, a couple of weeks off, but we're back at it now. So, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this show and the shows coming up. Uh, if you enjoyed it, you could leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts or send a podcast to a mate that you think uh, might enjoy it. If you want to get in contact, if you want to get involved with the conversation, we're on Twitter at Football. And actually, for the first time, I will plug our Instagram because while I'm on my trip, I think I'm going to post some pictures and some stories of like what I'm up to on the trip. So if you want to follow that, uh, we're at Football on Instagram as well. And I'll also tweet out a link to that. So no worries uh, if you missed it. But look, that's it. It just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.